Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. For the third series of this podcast, I'm inviting speakers of Agile Prague Conference so they can introduce their topics and they can also share with us a little bit about themselves and what they see happening in an Agile space. If you want to hear more, we would invite you for Agile Prague Conference September 19, 2022. Welcome everyone. I have Ralph here for the second time on this podcast because I'm doing interview with all the Agile Prague speakers. And I have the initial question, what are you currently passionate about in Agile space? I think it's about teams for me to focus this moment, teams and how teams can be successful. Um, I think that's my focus at the moment. And um, I think the Agile manifesto, et cetera, et cetera, is still there. Scrum is still there. But the leadership around Agile, uh, the team management in Agile, I think that has my focus. And that's where I'm interested at this moment. So tell us something about teams. What, yes, teams. what does that mean? <laughs> I wrote a book about teams, so I can tell a lot about teams. Uh, but I'm not going to explain the whole book because we only have limited time here. Uh, but I realized that uh, in the last years, that if you look at organizations nowadays, uh, the building blocks of every organization is a team, period. And uh, yes, I do know that innovations often are done by a single person who has a bright idea and who comes up with something like, whoa, how, where did you find that? But to realize that idea with the complex and complicated world that we have nowadays, you need a team. I mean, you're an author, you organize also an Agile conference, you know that you need to have a team to get it up and running. You can't do it alone anymore, it's too complicated. And I think still a lot of organizations are focused on individuals definitely in the performance reviews things like that it's all about individuals but i think we should get away from that and we should look at teams and and have teams in place and what i did last year is a lot of reading about teams uh, research uh, reading and also academic research and try to identify what makes successful teams and um yeah so that's partly my talk about in agile Prague about conflicts, because good teams have regular conflicts and they like to have conflicts and they need to be able to deal with conflicts. So that's what my talk is about. So let's not talk about that too much nowadays. Uh, they need to have impact, uh, understand the impact. They need to care about results. They need to be reliable. Uh, there needs to be clarity uh, and trust and conflicts. And that are the six components of successful teams, in my opinion. So how do you know you have this team at your organization? Like, um, you know, people often ask me this question. How do you know? Yeah, the high-performing teams, the holy grill, what everybody's looking for. I think you know when it's there. I mean, I don't believe in high-performing teams in the sense that if you ask people what is a high-performing team, you'll always get a different answer. 
And I think it really depends on the organization, on the context, and one high-performing team today can be a non-high-performing team next week when something changes in the context. So I think it's very subjective. And I think uh, I read one of the quotes from Richard Hackman. He said about uh, great teams meet clients' expectations and they even surprise them. And I think that's a good one. I mean, you meet clients' expectations, you're in contact with your stakeholders, with your clients, and then you surprise them. And I think that's just what a high-performing team is. You surprise the customer like, whoa, you deliver what I asked for and you even deliver more what I didn't ask for, but how do you know? And I think if you got the whoa effect, I think then you just have a great team. And when you're in organization, it's a leader, manager, team member, scrum master, I don't care. I mean, you know when that happens, you see it happening. And I'm sure you've been working with dysfunctional teams as well. So can you share some maybe story about how did you help in the past, like uh, turn this dysfunctional team into a better team, maybe not super high performing, but a better team together? Yeah, I think uh, there are six components that I describe in the book. Uh, I don't believe that they are linear. I don't believe that you need to have first one in place, then the other one is not like it's a machine. So it's looking about the team, looking about the six components, looking what they need. Uh, but I think that trust is a big one. If the team members don't trust each other, then it will be very hard to be a successful team. So in most exercises, most teams that I support, we do work on trust. And that is a lot of things you can do, getting to know each other, uh, getting drunk together, uh, things like that. But build the trust in the team and have respect for each other. I think that's, that's the basis of every team. And from there, you need to look at what the team needs. And some teams need more clarity because it's totally unclear what they need to do or the organization is not clear on what they expect from it. So then you work with product owners, with organizations to get a roadmap to get clarity on it. Uh, some teams do know what they need to do, but they have totally no work agreement. So then you just focus on that. So it really depends on the team. Um, but for me, the number one often is look at trust. Do team members trust each other? Do they feel safe enough to give honest feedback to each other? And I'm talking about compliments because that's easy, giving compliments, but also telling other people what their weaknesses are. And I think that's key for a successful team. That's very important to be able to do that. So how do you start with building trust? Specifically, like a lot of the organizations now are in virtual space. So how is it different maybe in virtual space? In this sense, I think it's slightly different that in virtual space, you should give people trust from day number one. Um, where you're working together, it's easy to earn trust. But if you work virtually, I believe you should give full trust from day number one. Um, and then you should prove to each other that it's okay that you got that trust, that you earned that trust, that it was a good decision. So how do you build that trust? I think one big thing, and that's very important also with virtual is to get to see each other in real life. Um, and not just once every two years. And of course, with COVID-19, it was hard to do. But I think it's very important to see each regular, to build memories together as a team and, and to build those relationships, to be able to watch each other in their eyes in real time, real life, and, and do things together. Um, I think that's very important. Uh, and then building the trust is about yeah, getting to know each other, as I said. Uh, but also not focusing on your LinkedIn profile, as I always say, but focus about who you really are. What are you doing in your free time? Uh, what do you post on Facebook? What kind of series do you watch on Netflix? What kind of music do you listen to? Those kind of things. But also, if it's okay, what are the happy moments in your life so far? Maybe what are the sad moments? What are the defining moments? And be able to share that in a team. I think then you really uh, build trust. But it's still, it feels like, um, I read somewhere today that those teams who are like face-to-face, they've been also more creative. They're coming with more innovations. And then there is a risk that those teams who are mostly virtual or only virtual, they will not 
get that sort of swarming things and collaboration intensive enough so they might not come up with um, innovations anymore. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it should not make a difference, but I think it's very important as a team that you start from day number one, understanding that you work virtually. And what I see also with some of my clients now with COVID-19, they went virtual because it was needed, it was forced upon them, but they still were stuck in the old way of working. And for me, being a successful virtual team implies that you work asynchronous, that you get together to discuss stuff a few times a year to create a roadmap, and then you are able to work asynchronous and you get together once or twice a week to synchronize work. But you should be able to do the work independent from each other. If there's real-time communication needed all the time, something is wrong. And then you will never get the benefits because I believe that if people are able to work from home, where they want, how they want, which time they want, they can be much more productive than anyone in the office who needs to work there from nine to five because the manager wants to see him because otherwise he thinks that the people don't work. I also hear uh, some of the things like saying, if you are a new person to the company, like uh, specifically the new graduate, then you don't have in virtual space enough space for mentoring. So those folks are often lost and they don't grow as much. They don't get what they used to. And what, what are your thoughts on this? How would you suggest companies to work with these young, new people who are after college? They're full of energy, but they are actually fully virtual. Yeah, and then they're going to start working at the companies at home, looking at the screen, and they think, is this it? Where is the energy? I think that that's, and we had it, of course, also during COVID-19, that people joined the company as an intern, they did all the work, and they never even saw the college in real time. I mean, that's awful. I mean, imagine that. Uh, I think you need to do a lot of things more explicit, over-communication, work out loud. So those people who are joining the company, full of energy, really want to change the world, really are ready for it, you need to guide them. You need to talk with them daily, maybe a few times a day. How are you doing? Do you need any help? Uh, make sure that your team gets to the office in the first weeks, a few times, first month, that they really can connect to the people. Because I also know as a consultant, as joining teams virtually, it's very hard because you don't see the informal communication. You don't see who knows who, who's talking to whom, because that's all done in direct messages. So you don't see the interaction in the team. So I would recommend those kind of teams who have new team members joining, spend a few weeks in the office uh, together as much as possible, and then work more remotely again, hybrid again. Interesting. So if you look back to your journey, what did you learn? What was your biggest learning about yourself on your angel journey? Hmm. I think we discussed that also last time. And maybe this, I, I don't like change. I mean, I realized that I just don't like change and I like order. And some people, when we talk about things in, in Agile, they say, oh, order is it's like, no, order is evil. Structure is evil. I disagree on that because I think if you really work Agile, you have a lot of structure. Otherwise, you need to describe everything in policies and, and procedures. Uh, but I learned also that I really like the Agile mindset, inspect and adapt, be transparent. I mean, that's really what I believe in. But on the other hand, I also realized that I need some kind of structure order to, uh, to thrive, to, to, to feel myself good. And if it's not there, I will create it. But I will create it in a way that it's not like bureaucracy, but it's really helping us. But there needs to be some kind of structure. I had a meeting today with four Azure coaches, and it was a disaster. Put four Azure coaches in one room, you get nothing done. I mean, no structure going from left to right. Guys, why don't we just look at our task list and just go discuss our progress on our task, what we would coach our teams. 
oh yeah, oh yeah, that's a good idea. So that kind of structure, I realized I still need, even if it's agile. And I think agile and structure does not uh, conflict. It's, it's not a contradiction, definitely not for me. It is not, I think, a, a part of it will be a good facilitation, which brings a structure, but it also brings an autonomy, right? So they're like, uh, it's a different type of structure in my mind. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of people think, oh, we're doing agile, so no structure, no constraints. And I'll say that's, that's, that's nonsense. I mean, even in an agile modern organization, you have constraints, you have rules. It's, it's not a playground. I mean, you need to have something in, in place, but it should add value. It should not hold you back. It should really uh, bring value to you, to your team, to the work that you do. And you mentioned one more thing. You mentioned transparency. I love it. I mean, for some people, it could be scary at first. So uh, how do you help organizations to be more transparent? Oh, that's, yeah. How do you do that? Uh, it, it really depends on organization. I mean, t today in that meeting that I just mentioned, we had a slide of the teams, six teams, and then the stakeholders, six stakeholders, and then the communication between teams and stakeholders. And it was really like chaos. It was arrows everywhere. And then somebody said, we cannot share this with the team because we can't share this. And I said, why not? I mean, this is what it is. If you tell that we have six teams and we have six stakeholders, everybody can make the math and can see how many communication lines we have. I mean, that's not about, I mean, people are not stupid. So why are you holding this back? And I think that's the way to go, to have those kind of communications with people, just explain and challenge them. Why are you holding this back? And in my opinion, as long as it's not illegal and it's ethical, you can share a lot of things. I also hear often the statement, yeah, but then people are going to read everything. Okay, so you think the people just drop their work and they're going to read everything that they get all day? I mean, what do you think about your own team members then? I mean, that's those kind of weird remarks. Um, but I think that's, that's the conversation that you should have with people who are afraid to share and to explain them and to challenge them. And okay, then maybe let's do one part. Let's start slowly then to see that people indeed are not reading the things that they got all day, but they still do the work. But have that conversation going slowly from sharing a bit more and more. Step by step, I guess. That's always yeah, step right? by step. Yeah. So I have a last question for us for today. What is the future of Agile? Look at the Agile in the manifesto was 2001. Then here we are today. And look at like 20 plus years. Where do you think we're gonna be in that time frame? 20 years plus. I hope I will be retired. But let's see. Um, 20 years plus. I think. Agile does not exist anymore in that sense, in 20 years plus. And people don't talk about Agile anymore. People talk about doing the work. And if you do your work, you get uh, together uh, regularly because you need to adjust your plan. You need to uh, discuss the things you're going to do next day. You need to discuss impediments. So I think the Agile way of working will not be called Agile anymore, but will be just the way of working I do. You work iteration, you collect feedback uh, from stakeholders, from people who are going to use your tools, your, the value that you create. So I think that the basics that we call nowadays Agile and that you see back in Scrum and in a lot of those frameworks will still be there, but it will be more combined. I think we'll more use best practice of a lot of different tools. Um, and we just call it work. I mean, the Agile, I hope we can get rid of that word because it's got a bit of a, a negative yeah, sound nowadays. And just do work. And we do work by looking back what we did. We do work by sharing things that we do. We do the work by uh, adjusting plans and not making a master plan for the next 15 years, but for the next three months and then adjust the plan again. I think that will be the way of working. I like that. Let's see. 20 years from now, we'll have a chat and discuss. Yes, 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 yes. We'll come back to Prague, have a beer. <laughs> yeah, and of course, we'll have a beer and talk. Yeah. Awesome. 
So thank you very much for your time today and looking forward to see you in September at Agile Prague. Yes, definitely. Looking forward to see you over there. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shakova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com, S-O-C-H-O-V-A.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.